Welcome to Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, and ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Hey, learn from the experts. This is free land education, guys. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant with United Country Real Estate, Sutton Properties, along with my co-host, Teresa Martin, who's one of our agents who will be joining us here shortly. She was out selling some property today, and she's running a little bit behind, but she'll come on the show here with us in a little bit. Buying or selling homes, land or farms in western Piedmont, North Carolina, or southern Virginia, just give us a shout. Hey, we'll help you out. Our office is at 102 East Main Street, next to BB&T Bank in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. Our company website is www.allsutton.com. Properties.com. All of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and members, and our national site for the Realtors Land Institute is www.rliland.com. So if you're buying or selling land or farms, you want to deal with a land expert, so go to our website, and all of our members uh, throughout the United States will be listed there. So make sure if you work with an expert, it's very important. Just a program note, Dr. Barbie's Ask the Doctor show will now follow this show and will air at 10 a.m. So make sure you stay tuned. Dr. Barbie always has something of interest. Hey, our guest today is Casey Riley, who's the state vice president, and Joshua Bledsoe, state ag, uh, education leader and FAA advisor. We're going to talk about the uh, farmers' uh, organization for our young kids, and welcome, guys. Well, we're glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Where are you calling from? I am calling from Greenville, North Carolina, at ECE. And I'm calling from our home in Holly Springs, just wow. outside of Raleigh. Okay. Well, we're uh, glad to have you on our show. This is uh, something that I've been wanting to do. I think you're the... 126 or 127th one-hour show that we've uh, done so far, and I really wanted to focus in on our younger generation and find what find out what's going on. So that's what we're going to learn about today is the future farmers of America, which has quite a very interesting background and a heck of an organization. Uh, Casey uh, is a freshman, right, Casey, at East Carolina? Yes, sir. And you're going to major in entrepreneurship? Is that your goal? Yes, sir. You're going to relate that to farming? Yes, sir. I plan on coming back home to Harold's, North Carolina, and take either my family's farm and run it. But wow. I felt like in order to do that, I need a little more about the business aspect of things. Absolutely. So that's why I major in entrepreneurship. It is a business, isn't it? Yes, sir. <laughs> Where's your family farm? Where's your family farm at, Casey? Uh, it's in Harold, North Carolina. Okay. Your, your phone's breaking up a little bit, so maybe we can move over about three inches and help us out a little bit, okay? All right. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Then? Yeah. So, Joshua, you grew up in uh, my family's backyard in Dobson, North Carolina, in, in Surrey County, which is on 100 miles, basically, north of Charlotte and borders the uh, Virginia state line with the Blue Ridge Parkway kind of skating uh, on the western side of the, of the county. So um, you're a graduate from uh, uh, NC State, Go State. and uh, Sure, Go Pack. Go Pack, there you go. And you finished <laughs> a master's degree in agricultural land education in 2005, and then prior to that, in 95, you were received a bachelor's degree in science and agriculture education and a minor in animal science. So um, you've, you've, you sent me, uh, I asked people to send me their resume, and I think yours is about 10 pages, the longest one I've ever seen. But, uh, I mean, we could do a whole show on your background. But um, the, I believe more specifically that you were uh, served as the CEO and CFO for the foundation, president as the member of the integrated management team, to provide overall leadership for the National FFA organization, which serves over 650,000 student members across the nation. And, of course, you were the uh, FA, state FAA president from 91 to 92, 
for the North Carolina FA Association. And by the way, your, your website, and I guess you could put any state in front of it, is ncffa.org. So for you listeners out there, you want to go to the website. Hopefully you're not driving, uh, but uh, make sure you go to the ncfa.org because that's going to be our discussion this morning. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys, uh, you know, and let you tell us about the history. And, um, and we want to learn about the future farmers of America, so help us out. Well, absolutely. I'm actually uh, really pleased uh, to be on the show today, Lou, and I know Casey is as well. And uh, as we visited prior to the show starting, uh, we really pride ourselves as an organization in the FFA of investing in local programs uh, at the local level. And the most important thing we do is provide life-changing experiences for our students. And so, so thankful that Casey can be on the show with us today. And as one of our state FFA officers, I'd ask her to share with our listeners today what uh, got the FFA started, where it came from, and we can give you a, a brief history lesson to get you to where we are today. How's that sound, Luke? That would be perfect. Sure. Casey, why don't you walk us through some of the, the foundations of our organization? All right. Well, Future Farmers of America is a youth organization, and it's one of the largest ones in the nation. It's based on middle school and high school classes that promote agriculture education. We, Our main objectives are to build leaders, I'm sorry, can I just start over? That threw me off guard. <laughs> but FSA is one of the largest youth organizations in our nation. Our main goal is to grow leaders, build communities, and strengthen agriculture. We do this through agricultural education. We are a very, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, this is just. Oh, you're okay. doing fine. No problem. Go for it. Okay. So we are a large youth organization that is here to promote agriculture and ag education. We have 335 chapters in North Carolina, which compared to Walmarts, there's 139 Walmarts in North Carolina, and we have more FFA chapters than we do Walmarts. Wow. Which is just kind of something need to put in perspective. We have 51% male membership and 43% female. So FSA means a lot. It means a lot more to a student than just sitting in a classroom and learning about agricultural education. There's many opportunities that come with that. We have leadership organizations. We have career development events, which is where students compete in different events and learn about how to write a speech and how to present that, job interviews. It's just a really neat organization. There's a lot of opportunities through that. So I'm going to toss it over to Mr. Bledsoe to add on to that. So you guys, start, you guys start in the middle school, right, and then go from there to your high school? Yes, sir. Agricultural education is for students starting in middle schools in our state. goes all the way through high school. Uh, most of our membership is in the high school. About three-fourths of our membership is high, our high school students. But as soon as you can get information about agriculture in front of young people, the better. We know that young people are making decisions about their careers earlier and earlier. And so for us, we know that agriculture is our number one industry in the state of North Carolina. That's correct. So we have a, a large portion, you know, with 25%, you may think, well, that, that's not a lot of your total student population. But across the nation, uh, this southeast corner of the United States has a very high percentage of middle school programs. And we're very proud of that because we want to make sure, again, students have that information about agriculture early so once they get to high school, they can choose that path in ag education, whether it's animal science or plant science, mechanics or natural resources or sustainable agriculture. We want to make sure they get that opportunity. So, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time to be in agricultural education, Lou. And it looks like your organization is – a lot of the organizations – I'm an Eagle Scout, so I'm, I was part of that in the, in the uh, 60s, uh, but uh, – uh, Looks like you guys, this is incredible. You have over a million 
hours of student uh, investment in projects and leadership and community service to activities. What, what type of community services do you guys do? I'll, I'll get started. Then, Casey, um, maybe you could share with us some of the things that your chapter and some of the chapters across the state do. But when you think about um, FFA, uh, Casey mentioned earlier that we, the why of our organization is to grow leaders, build communities, and strengthen agriculture. If you look at the motto of the FFA, the last line is living to serve. So our students learn that motto, learning to do, doing to learn, earning to live, and living to serve. So there are so, so many ways that our students and our chapters across the state are investing back in their local communities. One time that we do that is really particular when we focus on that is during FFA week. That's always during the week of George Washington's birthday in February. And it's a chance for our students to provide advocacy, education, and experiences for middle school and elementary school students and for the community as a whole. So you can see community service projects, anything from cleaning up a stream to uh, serving in a, a nursing home or a, an assisted living home or helping somebody in the community. Uh, there are tons of ways that our FFA members are giving back. And in fact, there are grant programs administered by the state and national FFA where we give two local chapters to help them complete those community service activities. Casey, I'm sure, has plenty of, opt, uh, plenty of options and examples that some of the programs in her local community did when she was a student in high school. Yes, sir. So some of the things that my high school did was every fall we had a community movie night, and this was a night that our SSA chapter came together and we showed, we built this large screen out of a king-size sheet and we put it on the side of the school and we watched a movie. I think the first time it was Back to the Future and it was the blind side and anybody in the community was welcome to come out to that. And it was just a really good way to give our members that interaction with the community. So that was something that we did. Another thing that we did was every SSA week, that Friday, we would wake up at about 4 a.m. and drive to our high school, and we would cook breakfast. It would be sausage, eggs, grits, biscuits. We made this huge breakfast, and at 8 a.m., the community would come and eat. Anybody was welcome. There was no charge or anything. It was just whoever wanted to show up could and eat breakfast with us, and it was just a really good time to fellowship and give back to our community. I know something that one of my teammates at the Fed Chapters did was they had a local food drive during Hurricane Florence, which is really neat to see them give back to the community. And there's a lot of awesome experiences out there. I've seen SFA chapters do clothes drives, food drives, and it's just really neat because there's so many options with community service that can be done. You guys have a lot of fun, don't you? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you know, we you, try to. Yes, sir, Lou. You guys... Uh, you have about 67,014 students enrolled in agricultural courses. That's in, that's incredible. This is nationwide. You guys provide over Well, 20 actually, Lou, I'm going to interrupt you there. That's in the state of North Carolina. you got to be kidding. Yes, sir. That's in the state. So I need yes, to multiply that times 100, right? <laughs> well, they say it's tough to get an account across the nation, uh, but there's an estimated 1 to 1 1.2 million students across the nation that uh, are believed to be enrolled in agricultural education. And, again, that's 6th grade through the 12th grade. 8,630 chapters. Is that still in all 50 states? Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. Correct. Wow. You are, guys. You guys have been around since 1928, according to Wikipedia. Uh, you're a 501c3 youth organization, and it was founded by a group of professors excuse me, in 1925 at Virginia Polytech Institution, agriculture teachers. And then in 1928, it became a national-wide organization uh, known as the Future Farmers of America. And, of course, in 1988, the name was changed to the National Future Farmer Organization, most commonly known as FFA. So I, I know most of the people in our listening audience uh, probably knows one or more people that are being involved uh, with your wonderful organization. 
Hey, our guest today is Casey Riley and Joshua Bledsoe with FAA. This is Let's Talk Land, and we'd like to thank our sponsor today, Land Hub. Land Hub, if you're looking to buy or sell land, Land Hub previews thousands of properties nationwide. So you guys have a motto uh, in uh, learning to do, doing to learn, earning to live, living to serve that you mentioned earlier. But to get, what's the origin of that? I mean, you guys were started, in, you know, back in the 20s. Um, how did this evolve? Yeah, Lou, I'll take the first stab at that. Um, back in the 1800s, there was a need to really make sure that production agriculture uh, was growing and thriving. Uh, we were an agricultural nation. We needed young people to go into the profession. Uh, we had growing population, more people moving into cities, and so we had to think about how we could become more efficient in production agriculture. Take all the way up to about 1917 and the Smith-Hughes Act passed uh, with the federal government, which provided funds to agricultural education. From that, uh, agricultural education exploded across the nation. Interestingly, we had ag education in high schools here in North Carolina prior to 1917. We actually had farm life schools where at the time young boys would go live at the school and learn about agriculture and then they would go back to their farms and implement those practices that they had learned. So you got 1917 where federal funding come around. About 1928, FA started nationally. But in North Carolina, it was 1927, and the young Tar Heel farmers were around for about a year and a half before we, we, uh, we integrated and became federally uh, associated with the national FSA organization. And then during that time, too, there was this need to make sure that what we were teaching and the leadership development from FFA was actually being applied in the, in, in the, in the homes and in the farms and in the communities. And so this work-based and experiential learning component where they, at the time these FFA members would apply what they learned at home was that third integral part of that model of instruction that was developed. So. With that little bit of history in mind, it has propelled into uh, this organization now that has, even today, over 760,000 members. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, 67,000 students here in North Carolina are learning about agriculture and interested in going into more than 255 careers in ag. Uh, or if they don't go into that, we are at least equipping them to be advocates for the ag industry. So all that little bit of history, Lou, goes back to, you know, where's that motto coming from? I think that motto really encompasses that model as well, learning to do, doing to learn, earning to live, and then living to serve. And it just it evolved from the work of that classroom, work-based experiential learning, and leadership development through FFA. That's quite a background. I know you're proud to be part of it. I would be. And for those out there in our listening audience, you need to go to that website and um, ncffa.org and learn about this, especially for the parents that's got the young ones out there. And let's steer them in the right direction because uh, God gave us this good earth and, and we need to take care of it. And as the population grows and more demand, uh, we, we uh, need more people involved in this, in, this, uh, in this organization. One of the things I was noticing uh, you've got about 22%, and these stats may not be all right, but about 22% are middle school uh, young men and ladies, and, mid and then uh, what you call the middle high schools in some of the rural areas, about 4%, and then high school, about 74%. That's an incredible number. Yes, sir. That's where our, our programs are. And as I mentioned earlier, a lot of our programs uh, have in the southeastern part of the state uh, have a lot of middle school involvement. And so if you look at that enrollment, uh, that percent of middle school and middle high school combinations has been growing over the past several years. You know, people ask many times, Lou, they'll say, why do you think that ag education enrollment is increasing? And why is the national FFA membership at the highest it's ever been? And in North Carolina, our membership in the FFA is the highest it's been since 1972. And I'll just say for me, that since before this old fellow from Surrey County was born, uh, not to age anybody on the radio show. Yeah, please Lou, don't uh, age me. That's, 
that's a lot of growth. <laughs> yeah, don't age me. Uh, wow. It doesn't age any of us. So, But I think that's growing, and students are interested in this field because, you know, there's an ever-increasing um, ever increasing interest in where does our food come from. And people want to know that connection with their food, and people understand that with the statistics of 9 billion plus on the planet by 2050, there, as you know very well in your line of work, Lou, there's no more land being created. Uh, so we have to think about how we can embrace all of agriculture to have really smart, intelligent, independent thinking leaders, young people going into the industry. So I think it's just, it's a really cool, uh, it's a really cool time to be involved in agriculture. People see the importance of the industry in our state, and young people want to be a part of that winning team. So wh- why do you think that's increased? Is there a particular thing you can point out? You know, I think it'd be interesting to hear Casey's perspective as a student uh, as to why she feels like young people are, are interested in ag education and FFA. And then I'll give you, I'll give you the, uh, the state advisor's opinion on that. Lord. Perfect. Uh, to add on to what Mr. Bledsoe was saying, you know, I really think that young people are starting to wonder where their food is coming from, and that's something that they want to know. And like he was saying, in 2050, it's expected that there's 9 billion people in the world, and as we know, less than 2% of the population are farmers. And so I think it's really neat how there's a challenge to this industry, and that's figuring out how can we innovate things, how can we still grow food, but we grow more at a time. And so there's so many neat opportunities in agriculture. I know that a lot of changes are going on right now. I know that the use of drones on farms is something that's being implemented, which is really neat. And I think that really fascinates a lot of different members. It's just agriculture is such a neat industry because there's so many different aspects of it. Like we were talking about Earlier, there's the business aspect of things, and there's the actual farming. You have animal science, you have horticulture, you have ag mechanics, and there's just so many different aspects of agriculture that it just has a – there's a category for everybody in that. You've got a wide audience, don't you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and you know, with what Casey was saying, Lou, there are 255 unique careers in agriculture. I didn't realize um, that. So many times people think that, that agriculture is farming, and it is. It absolutely is, and the backbone of agriculture is farming. But there are 254 careers that support that production agriculturalist on his or her farmer ranch. And when you think about the young people that we need to go into those industries, if one in five jobs in this state is related to agriculture, it's even more important for us to expose our young people to these careers. You know, the very first job on this earth was a farmer, and the last job on this earth will be a farmer. And if we're going to be a strong nation and, and a strong world, the very first thing we got to do is feed and clothe ourselves. So agriculture is the very foundational industry of our state and our nation and our world. And I think that that call to action and that importance and that connection to the earth uh, draws people in. And, and, Lou, I would really be remiss – if I didn't give a ton of credit, so much credit, to our wonderful agriculture teachers in those programs across the state, we have in North Carolina 550 agriculture teachers who every day are teaching young people about those careers in ag. They're guiding them in experiential learning, and they're growing their leadership development through the experiences that they provide in the classrooms and in the FFA. So, you know, Young people and old people and people all over the world want to be a part of something that's good. They want to be a part of something that's, that's a winning team. And I feel like we've got great agriculture teachers and FFA advisors in the middle schools and high schools across the state of North Carolina who just provide wonderful programs for students. And our students want to be a part of that. Casey's an example of coming from a great program with great agriculture teachers who really invest in and, and care about their students. Where do I sign so, up? <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, real quick, I would just like to add on to what Mr. Bledsoe is saying, just to kind of per, put these 250 careers in perspective. 
we, when we think of agriculture, we first think of farming, which is a very important job, but without the agricultural engineers or the agricultural lawyers, without these other 250 careers that farm wouldn't be able to be there today. We still have to have that support, and it all starts at the local level. It all starts at that SSA chapter with those ag teachers. So there's so many different careers in agriculture, and they're all equally as important. You know, I've done uh, several shows with some of our industry. Of course, everything the show is related to land, and uh, very pleased to have you folks on today. But uh, the technology I'm learning about, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I learned how to drive on a 1949 Red Belly Ford, uh, which our family <laughs> still has. And uh, that's how I learned how to change gears. But uh, it, it's incredible, the technology. And that's got to uh, entice a lot of these young folks to, uh, especially from the uh, electronics and the, um, the Internet and all that stuff out there to uh, get involved and not get their hands dirty. You know, a lot of kids say they don't want to get their hands dirty, but it sounds like this this is just covers so many things. I wish I wish we had more time to go into a lot of these different things in more detail, and maybe we'll get you guys back on and do a show just on that because I'd like to learn more about the different programs. One thing, Casey, you can help me out with is um, you guys are self-selecting. Uh, you elect your own officers. Can you, can, can you tell us kind of how that works with your delegates and your election at large and uh, your ambassadors, th those programs? Yes, sir. So talking about the process of electing state office and different office positions in North Carolina, that was a, I would say that was probably one of the most stressful weeks of my life. Really? Because that was so important to me. That has been a goal that I've had since freshman year of high school was to give that. And there's different processes. So one thing that, our, the candidates had to do was we had to write a speech and we had to memorize that two days and we were given that topic. We had to have a conversation with a stakeholder, one of our sponsors, and just have an agricultural conversation with them for 10 minutes. That's something we just had to keep going. There's a test involved right. about our ag history, current ag issues, and our agricultural facts and SSA-related questions. Um there's just it's a long process but it was well worth it like i said it was very stressful but i think when you have that goal in mind that's something that you always focus in on and i know that at the chapter level there's also many different ways that officers are elected so my high school was an interview process students would go in be asked questions and they would answer those questions to the best of their ability but i talked to my ag teacher recently and i know that that has changed they had an application that they had to fill out that was about national, the national chapter award that we have, which is for, for giving different events, and we had to fill out our goals for that event, why it was important, and how it relates to a certain category like community service or strengthening agriculture. And so there's so many different processes. A lot of them are just based on an interview, but there's so many different ways to be elected as an officer, and there's so many different regions that you can be elected. So we have our chapter level, which is kind of your beginning place, which will be your local high school. Then we have our federation, which is just, it's mainly your county in North Carolina. That's an office position you can run for. Okay. Then we have our regional le level. I'm from the southeast region, and so there's southeast, the western region, region central, western. There's just so many different regions in North Carolina. That's the next level. And then you have our state level, and then after that, you can get to our national level. So there's a lot of different leadership opportunities in North Carolina. So I'm just curious, of all the schools in North Carolina, um, do most of them have your program, or is this just selected in certain areas? Well, Lou, we are in 98 of the 100 counties. We don't have an ag ed program in Warren County or in Graham County. Uh, but if you look across the state, we're in 335 different middle schools and high schools. Wow. So you're getting a good percentage of our schools, right? We're getting a good percentage, but there's always room to grow. Absolutely. Yes, are you in the charter schools as well? Yes, sir. We are in charter schools. Uh, we're in private schools. And, in fact, we have some homeschool FFA programs and ag ed programs 
if, if we believe so strongly in the model that I described a few minutes ago, uh, we certainly want to make sure that any student in our state, regardless of where their geography or their school might be, we want them to have that experience. And, and we feel very strongly that, that we need to provide that to as many students as yes, possible. Yes, sir. Hey, our guest today is Jesse Bledsoe and Casey Riley with the North Carolina Future Farmers of America. This is Let's Talk Land. Our sponsor is LandHub.com. Sell your land, land of your dreams. All right, well, I'll... There we go. So uh, the... Uh, you guys got a lot of conventions. You, you know, I, I guess it's here in North Carolina. Uh, you have the about 27 events nationally and about 45 events here in North Carolina. Uh, I'm sure you have your state uh, uh, association meetings, and then I'm sure you go to the national. And then you've got a wonderful facility uh, here in North Carolina that was the first FAA facility in the country, the wildlife camp. And I'd definitely like to know about that. Yes, sir. So we have our, I will actually toss the wildlife camp over to Mr. Bledsoe because that was something that I never actually got the opportunity to go to. So I'm not really sure about the personal experience with wildlife camp. So I'm going to throw that one over to Mr. Bledsoe. Well, we're going to get you down there this year. <laughs> so, um, we have, as you said, Lou, lots of activities for students. And you know, Casey, again, a great example of, of the events that we have. And you mentioned our conventions. So, Casey, I think that's probably the highlight of the year uh, for what we have in the, in the state. Share with uh, the folks today your experience at the state convention, Casey, and we'll get back to wildlife camp, I promise. Yes, sir. So, state as a convention has always been something that I've looked forward to to the end of the year. Uh, the first year I went, I was a little hesitant about going. I wasn't competing in any events or anything. So that was something. And my sisters went to it, and it was just this huge conference is always what I thought it was. I thought it was just we go, we sit in these meetings all day. And that's, that's really what I thought it was freshman year. But little did I know that it's a lot more than that. State SA Convention was a wonderful chance for me to meet other people from all over the state. Where I was used to the southeast side of things and the agricultural methods that we use there and the same people with the southern accents, it was really neat to go to this convention and to meet people all the way to the state line just about in the mountains. And it was just so neat to get that perspective from different people. I also competed my sophomore, junior year. We, I competed in parliamentary procedure and prepared public speaking and that was something that was really neat where we had to write that seven minute speech and we had to present it and we get asked questions on our topic i met so many people through that event and i asked and it was really neat to ask what their topics were and to hear their different passions of agriculture so there were so many neat opportunities for it ssa students at state convention we have our career show and that was neat just to walk around and see the different opportunities that we have in agriculture to do to have a career and so that was just really neat to meet people from all over the state and to make those business connections people that worked at john deere places like that and then we also got to meet our sponsors for ssa which is something really neat to always have that connection at farm bureau or all these it's just really neat i um it's just a neat opportunity. Where was it held? We have SSA camp, which was neat. Where was it held at, Casey? It is held at the State Convention Center in Raleigh. Okay. At the Marriott, yes, sir. How yeah, many? So, Lou, we have annually the State Convention, the State FFA Convention draws in about 3,500 uh, students and teachers and guests from across the state. It's at the Raleigh Convention Center downtown. It's been in various places over the years. Uh, this would have been the 93rd state convention this wow. past year. So, uh, again, it's been around since 1928. And this event, as you heard Casey describe, is, is kind of like the Super Bowl and the Daytona 500 of FFA all at once. Uh, and, and combining church homecoming. Uh, it's where we all come together. We recognize students and their accomplishments. Our state officers run the event. It's not the adults. So that state convention is run by our state officers. They give retiring addresses. We have keynote speakers that come in. Each year we're really excited because, our, as Casey said, our, our sponsors, our partners come in. 
We hear from folks like our Commissioner of Agriculture, the, uh, the Superintendent of Public Instruction, governors come to visit, deans from colleges of agriculture come and visit and speak to our students. It's really the highlight of the year at our state convention. And then in, in October is our national FFA convention. So if you've got 3,500 folks in, from across the state coming to Raleigh, each year we have 60 to 70,000 oh people gosh. coming up from across the nation to Indianapolis. Now, unfortunately, both the state and national conventions this year were held virtually uh, because of travel restrictions due to COVID. Sure. But still, um, wow, it's, it, it is the highlight of the year in October. The career show is much larger. The sessions are huge. They're in Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, there are concerts and rodeos. And then, of course, at the national event is the, the culmination of all of the competitive career and leadership development events. And those events stem from the instruction that students receive in the classroom. And they are able to apply it again in that real world, hands-on setting, and they're recognized for excellence, whether that's in agronomy or nursery landscape uh, or dairy evaluation, horse evaluation, ag business, parliamentary procedure. As you mentioned, Lou, there are 27 events nationally. We have 45 of those events in North Carolina where students can really apply those skills. So our conventions and our, our career and leadership development events are really the anchor of a lot of the experiences that our students get from the chapter level all the way to the national level. You guys are busy, busy little bees there. You got the middle grade rally too. Now that's what were the middle grade students and it's usually held at uh, North Carolina A&T State University in Greensboro? Yes, sir, we do have that. We are absolutely uh, growing by leaps and bounds with our participation at the middle grades rally. There are events, some of those career development events specifically for middle school students, and we know that they absolutely love that. Uh, again, uh, it's held each year. It's growing, and then those students can move on to uh, – there's one, nas one national event that they can participate in, but it really just plants the seeds for their involvement once they get into the high school. But we really try to provide a, a, a life-changing experience for those, those students at the middle grades rally as well. Yeah. And we think about, too – uh, Casey was um, pretty sure involved, and, and she's probably going to be a little modest, but there's another program that we have in FFA called Proficiency Awards, and it's where okay. students are recognized for their outstanding projects that really? they do. We call it Supervised Agricultural Experience. So, you know, every organization is full of acronyms, but it's really that project that the student works on as a result of the the knowledge that they've learned in class. Right. So uh, we have over 40 proficiency awards, and we recognize students' excellence in that. So Casey's had one of those, haven't you, Casey? Yes, sir, I did this year. So Good for you. Supervised agricultural experiences really give students the hands-on experience that they, need, that they want in whatever agricultural field they choose. So growing up on a farm, naturally, I chose managing my dad's farm, which consists of two hog farms, a chicken farm, and a grape vineyard. So during the summers, my sisters and I, we would kind of take over the farm. We would work it ourselves. We would manage it. And it was just a really neat experience. And that's really where I found my passion for agriculture. So come when it came January, February, I knew that I wanted to apply for my proficiency award because I felt like I had a pretty good chance that winning it. And so it's this application where we talk about our goals with our SAE, how we, where, it's, where it's going to lead us in the future and where it's gotten us now, what we've learned and how we're going to implement that in our life. So it's just a really neat opportunity that the proficiency awards and something else that's really neat is that state convention, they announce the winners of the different categories. And it's really cool seeing what other people did. There's so many creative uh, supervised agricultural experience, whether it's managing a farm or people starting their own businesses. It's just a really awesome experience. Wow. Are there any of these events that the public can attend? Say if I had my grandchildren and I want to get them involved that I could come to, not being a member of your organization? Lou, we'd love to have you and your grandchildren come to our state convention. Absolutely. Um, come visit us absolutely anytime. We would love to share the great things that are happening in FFA. So, sure, 
Uh, a lot of our events, though, are for members only, obviously. A lot right. of our uh, leadership conferences are just for students. Sure. We have one at White Lake. We have one in Greensboro in the, in the wintertime. So when you think about the conferences, they're really honed into our student population. Those big events, absolutely would love to have you. One more thing I think is kind of cool for, for the listeners out there to know, those projects that we were talking about that Casey just described across the state, the income from those projects last year, was $3.1 million, That's Luke. incredible. When you think about that economic impact, you, people don't think about that. When they think about a high school or a middle school ag education program or FFA chapter, when you add all of those up across the state, that's significant economic impact that our young people are providing to our state's economy. Where does most of your funding uh, come from because you're a nonprofit? Can people donate to your organization? Could I write you a nice little check? or, um, or um, How does that work? Where's your funding come from? Lou, when this is finished, I'll make sure you have all the details Perfect. and the listeners, too. So, yes, sir, we, okay. we are a nonprofit. Uh, FFA operates as a 501c3 uh, in North Carolina. We are supported through dues, so FFA members uh, pay in to be uh, an actual member. Some of our chapters are affiliate, which means that they pay one flat rate and all of their students become members. So we get revenue streams from membership. A small amount of revenue comes from our conference participation, but we're very fortunate to have the partnership of the North Carolina FFA Foundation, which is part of the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences Ag Foundation at NC State University. Wow. And so that foundation uh, this past year raised uh, around a million dollars uh, of, of funds to help us implement programs across the state of North Carolina. What, so what, we do rely on the support of individuals and corporations to help us deliver our mission. What's your annual budget? Our annual budget for the North Carolina FFA is about $1.2 million. Uh, of course, that has varied this year, uh, obviously, because of COVID. And a big chunk of that uh, is also another great opportunity for students. So I think if you were to say to most people or ask most people, when you think of FFA in North Carolina, what immediately comes to mind? And I think there'd be two answers. The first answer would probably be the iconic blue corduroy jacket, right? I mean, everybody recognizes FFA members when they wear the blue jacket. I've seen them for in years. In North Carolina, second thing would be the FFA Center at White Lake. So you mentioned it earlier. It's the second oldest FFA center in the nation. We actually had the first camping program. Our friends over in Tennessee, they actually owned the property first, uh, but we had the first program. So it's the second oldest camp in the nation. We've had programs there almost every year. Uh, we, we had a couple of summers around World War II where the camp was closed. Unfortunately, we had to be closed this past summer. But you've got seven weeks of teamwork and leadership development for students. And it is the highlight of the year for so many of our FFA members that come down to White Lake. It's seven acres right on White Lake. It's beautiful. Uh, you can go in the winter. You can go in the summer. It doesn't matter. Uh, it is an absolutely beautiful piece of property. And those seven to eight weeks that we offer our camping program, go back to what I've said earlier, they're just life-changing experiences for students. Uh, they have a week that they stay. They come on Monday. They leave on Friday. We have sporting events, leadership development events, team time and chapter time. We have talent shows, uh, softball, ping pong, horseshoes, um, track and field, swimming events, canoeing. It's just a wonderful time for our students and our advisors. And each week we recognize the, the, the chapter uh, that has the highest, uh, the highest points. Uh, for that week, but regardless of the points, I can remember uh, back in the 80s, and, uh, this young fellow from Dobson, North Carolina, hopped on a van, and his ag teacher, Mr. Donald Vestal, took off down to White Lake uh, and had a week at camp, and that young fella, me, uh, couldn't believe uh, how many people were from all across the state at this camp and just couldn't imagine a more fun week than being at White Lake. And I, that was a highlight for me as an FFA member. I, I never missed a summer when I didn't go to FFA camp as an FFA member. 
so that place is so special to us, Louis. I'm oh, sure. Where, where's it located? It's it's in White Lake. It's right on the lake, Highway 53. Uh, you can't miss it. There's a state historical marker there uh, that commemorates uh, the, the the FFA camp, um, and it's it can house. Uh, we we usually have around 300 to 350 students a week, or 350 350 guests a week, and that's what we can that's what we can uh, accommodate. And where is it located exactly? What part of the state? Yeah, if you're in Bladen County, okay. uh, it's actually White Lake. So in Bladen County, the, the county seat's Elizabethtown. If you go about seven to eight miles uh, just outside of Elizabethtown, you run into White Lake. And so it's an actual town, White Lake, North Carolina. So you're not far from the beach. Oh, probably an hour yeah. and 20 minutes yeah. or so. depends on which beach you want to go to. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I could... Uh, I th- this isn't a seven-week uh, camp. It's a weekly camp, but you can attend more than one week. Is that my understanding? Well, uh, you're close. It's the actual camp is a week long, and then students choose to go one week, and so they go with their FFA chapter, their middle school or high school, and they go for a week. But then we offer seven weeks of that program uh, throughout the summer. Okay. And then you mentioned earlier the wildlife camp. That is a weekend camp that, that we host in September. And we bring in uh, our partners from the, the Wildlife Commission uh, and other folks uh, like Ducks Unlimited. They come and help us put on a real solid educational experience. Ooh, I bet they do. Entered around wildlife and environmental natural resources. It's a wonderful weekend. Wow. You guys got it all covered, don't you? With this many years being as an organization, uh, I tell you, you've... Uh, it sounds like you got the best program out there for kids. Well, I'm biased, uh, and I'm going to jump in even before Casey can answer that and say I, I feel like we do. Um, when you think about uh, the number of students who have been impacted by agricultural education and FFA, if you think about the programs that are offered, the experiences that we have at conventions and competitive events with our awards, our degrees, you know, students can earn degrees through the FFA based on their accomplishments and the things that they're doing in their, their work programs and in their, their ag education programs and their FFA experiences. You know, we, we're reaching millions of students uh, over the past 90 years. I bet. Uh, and, and we do that because we believe, as our creed says, Casey, right, we believe in the future of agriculture with a faith born not of words but of deeds. Yeah, Casey, can you tell us about the five degrees and which one are you? And what is just briefly, what does it take to accomplish those degrees? Yes, sir. Um, I there's, or I know we have our green hand degree, our chapter degree, our state degree, and our American degree. I think I'm missing one of them. Discovery I degree, right? Help me out. I yeah, discovery degree. Okay, so discovery is our first degree. You can get that in the middle. In middle school, our second degree would be our green hand, which typically members will get that their freshman year. Then we have our chapter, which can be received at our sophomore or junior year. And I have the state degree right now, which required a lot of SAE hours. I can't remember. I apologize. I cannot remember the exact number of hours I had to have for that degree. Mr. Bledsoe might be able to help me out on that. And what does it take to get these degrees, basically, just quickly on each one, like the discovery degree? What What's the requirements? I know that for our green hand degree, it's required that you have to memorize the FFA creed and you have to have a supervised agricultural experience. And so that was something I remember my freshman year of high school, having to memorize the FFA creed and having to say that from memory and doing that in front of my entire class and how stressful that was. Absolutely. And then the chapter degree? Uh, the chapter degree, you have to have a certain amount of SAE hours and community service hours. And the state degree? The state degree is the same way. It's just amplified a little more. You have to have a, more SAE hours, and you have to have more community service hours. So at 
that's based off of your supervised agricultural experience, which is chosen by the student as long as it relates to an agricultural field. So I'm just reading here, if I may. It says the American FFA degree is the highest honor awarded to FFA members who have demonstrated uh, the highest level of commitment to the FFA and made significant accomplishments in their supervised agricultural experience. To receive the chapter FAA degree, members must meet the following requirements. Receive the Greenhand FAA degree, satisfy and completed 180 hours or equivalent of systematic school instruction in agricultural education at or above the ninth grade level and have approved by the SAE uh, in operation. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot to accomplish there. <laughs> wow. I found fascinating, too, on, on your website, it talks about your why, or as you call it, our why. And I really love this. It's to grow leaders, build communities, and strengthen agriculture. And your education mission is agriculture education prepares students for successful careers and a lifetime of informed choices in the global agricultural food and fiber and natural resource system. Wow, those are two great statements right there, guys. You know, Lou, they are, and and the, I think the strength behind that why, which is our vision, right? I mean, why did FFA begin? Right. We go back to that history lesson I gave uh, a few minutes ago. Yeah. But FFA began because people were afraid that uh, that agriculture was going to be diminished. If you go back to the mid twenties, think about that time frame. Uh, we had people in agriculture, but there were a lot of people moving into the cities. And the, the rural farming agricultural lifestyle was diminishing. And people were afraid that uh, young people would not get involved in the industry. And the other thing that was happening at that time was the opportunities for young students in public schools in the urban areas were a lot more robust and, and were a lot, uh, were a lot ex more expanded than the opportunities for students in rural school systems. And so these folks that you mentioned uh, got together in, in respective states, and they said, man, we got to have an opportunity for young people to, to get involved. We need community, right? We need a community for them to, to be involved in. And, and thusly, the FFA was started. And that community, that place to belong, I think is what makes FFA so special for our young people today. You go all the way back to that time frame of, of the, the mid-1920s, and why did it exist is because we needed young people to be great leaders. We needed young people in rural communities to have the same leadership opportunities as their as the students in the, in the urban areas. We needed communities to be developed. You know, the, the, the rural communities at that time in the mid-20s, they just they, they weren't as developed as the urban areas, and people were moving away. Yeah. And then, of course, we needed agriculture to be strengthened because we needed to increase the production of food uh, and the production of agriculture across the nation. And we needed to do that very systematic and organized instruction. So when you think about that, that vision created in the mid-20s is the same vision that we have today. I think there's so much strength in that. And our young people still need a sense of community today. And I think now more than ever, young people need that, that place where they can grow as, as leaders, that they gain those employability skills. And agriculture teachers across the state provide those opportunities to grow that leadership and personal growth. And, and we still need strong communities. The beauty is that it's not just rural communities that need strengthening today. It's urban and suburban. When you look at where FFA is, we are in rural communities. About two-thirds of our programs in North Carolina are in rural areas. But a third of our programs are in urban and suburban areas. So that still, that mission still of, of building the community is so vitally important. And as we have laid the case, I think, here for the listeners today, and as you do every day, every time you're on the, the radio and on this show, Lou, you stress the importance of agriculture. Absolutely. And the importance of that industry. And so I think there's a lot of strength in that. And, and I'd be remiss, too, if I just didn't think the over 16,000 alumni members, active, involved alumni members in our state wow. who help local ag teachers and local programs deliver that vision.
vision of growing leaders, building communities, and strengthening ag, and the support that we get from from our sponsors and and folks like yourself who are passionate about helping young people discover their their passion and discover their interest in agriculture, we could not do what we do for young people without our alumni and without the support uh, of people who believe in that vision. And so if you are interested, Lou, I'll throw this in here now. If, if listeners are interested in being a part of supporting North Carolina FFA, they can go to our website, ncffa.org, and at the top there's a button that says Donate. We'd love to have your support to help us deliver that student, uh, that student vision and that student success opportunity. Whether it's the camps or the conventions or the conferences or the proficiency awards, the degrees, all those experiences, uh, we use every bit of that money to help provide those experiences for our students. Wow. So uh, I was just looking here. Some of the FAA highest paid, and this is where they get their start here, highest paid agriculture jobs are biochemists, food scientists, environmental engineers, agricultural lawyers, agricultural operation managers, animal genetics uh, agriculture engineers and agronomy sales managers are some of the highest paid. And I'm sure if you go to those different professions, you'll see a lot of uh, pre-FAA members uh, that are filling those jobs out there. Wow, that's that's impressive, guys. I mean, you really are. Um, if, if someone wants to volunteer at one of your events, is that possible or is this pretty much uh, in-house? Oh, we'd love to have help from anybody that would like to be a part of helping us deliver that vision. So, again, on our website, uh, if you go to contact us, you can see all of us on the state staff. Feel free to reach out to any of us uh, to help us with events. But I think the most important way that people can be involved goes back to something that Casey said, and, and I want to make sure that everybody understands this statement. The heart of what we do is at the local level. So that middle school program, that high school program, that is where FFA and agricultural education really happens. Our job at the state level is to simply support what happens at the local level. So if someone is really interested in helping ag education in FFA, let me first encourage you to reach out to that local middle school or high school and find that agriculture teacher who is absolutely overworked, and boy, they they are overworked because they do it because they love their students, but reach out to that ag teacher and just ask them, what can I do to help you in your ag education program and your FFA chapter? It could be helping train a team. It could be a guest speaker. It could be uh, helping with a fundraiser. It could be chaperoning an event. It could be lending your time and talents, whatever they might be, to that local program and for me if you're listening to this and you love ffa go get involved in a local program and help that local ag teacher or become an alumni member you don't have to have been an ffa member to be a part of our alumni group or an alumni chapter you just got to have a passion for young people in ffa and agriculture we're glad to uh, welcome you into the ffa alumni family wow guys it's been a great show our <laughs> guest today has been casey riley and uh, we're going to be following your young career, girl. Uh, good luck down there at East Carolina. Don't party too much. And our Listen, state. Can I add one thing real quick? Yeah, please. Um, I just want to talk about for a minute, you know, from a student perspective, we learn so much about agriculture and the importance of the world. But I would also like to say that FFA is far more than that. Uh, I know when I was in high school and I would get really stressed out, at school, FSA was my place where I could walk into that classroom and all the stress would just melt away. So it, it does a lot for the agricultural industry, but it also gives students another family, kind of like Mr. Bledsoe was saying. It gives us all a place, a community, which was something that just, I want to harp on that. It was really neat being able to experience that stress reliever, that family that I could turn to at school. So that's just something I want to add on. About that was perfect. We're going to expand the show to more than one hour to put that in there. So we won't cut you out on that. But thank you. That's quite a testimony. And this is quite a show. I mean, what a privilege to have both of you on. And uh, come back. Um, and uh, how do they get in touch with you guys? I'm going to put your email on the website, uh, if that's okay. I'm limited to time here. So 
but thanks to Joshua and Casey for being on the show. And thank you for joining us today. Let us know how you like the show. <clears throat> and if you have any questions or topics you'd like to suggest, we would appreciate them. All questions are welcome, and all of our guests may be emailed with your questions as well. This show is for the public and, most importantly, for real estate agents who do not have a source of land education. All of our shows are downloaded after the show today on our master website, www.letstalkland.net.net. Also find Spotify and Podbeam. My email is lou at mylandpro.com, and my cell number is 336-669-1405. Our sponsor is landhub.com. If you're looking to buy or sell land, landhub.com previews thousands of properties nationwide. Ronnie, how they get in touch with the station? Well, Lou, they can go to our website, go to WKTE1090.com, and also they can download the Simple Radio app and listen to us anywhere in the universe and world. Oh, you added the universe. Yes. Wow. I busted your bubble, didn't I? You sure did. I didn't I'm think sorry. you were going that far out. I am sorry. Is there. that infinite? Yes. Infinity? Infinity, yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we are Beach Music and Oldies, and we only play what? Happy, happy music, since only we don't have Teresa here. Happy music. Teresa yeah. usually well, throws that in there. Yeah. Wow. And we uh, won some awards, right? Yep. Five years in a row of being the uh, top radio beach and oldies radio station on the East Coast. And you got a nice award not too long ago. Yeah, for the uh, 2019 Reader's Choice Award for Announcer of the Year. Well, I wonder why. I uh, hear you. You're in for it, I think, this time. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> hey, stay tuned for Dr. Barbie.